Regrets. We all have them. Whether it be something from last week, last year, or decades ago, we long to make things right, to change direction, to begin again. The good news is this. You can start over. You can actually learn to love your regrets. Awesome, much better. Good morning, man. The city of Chicago is showing off, you guys. Oh my gosh, I love it. Just an excuse to come down here. I was like, yes, I will come down. Very cool. So I am so grateful to be here this morning. Okay, by show of hand, who loves dogs? Any dog lover? Oh, yes. Dog lover. Okay, confession here. Uh, I've only, I haven't always been a dog lover. Um, I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. Some of you guys know that, that I'm from Oklahoma. And here's the thing. When you grow up on a farm, you have barn cats and farm dogs. And you like your pets, but you don't become too attached to them because the circle of life is strong on the farm. <laughs> okay? You know where I'm going with this. But as an adult, I did get um, a dog, a mini schnauzer. He was all black. His name is Neo. <gasps> you guys, he was my first love. Like, seriously first love. A great dog. And I can't, I mean, I can't describe how much I love that dog, but I also can't describe how you can love a dog so much, but yet be so furious with them. He was an escape artist. <laughs> and so there was multiple times I had to chase that little dog down. Um, and it looked a little bit like this. Check this out. That's kind of how he would escape my house. <laughs> what it looked like whenever I was running after him. And it's amazing, I think, how we can train dogs to do uh, things like that. But though our dogs can be quite smart, they can also do some things that aren't quite so smart. Check this out. Let it go. Let it go. bless their hearts. They can't get where they're going because they won't let go of the stick, right? That's kind of like our regrets. Our regrets, we hold on to them and they prevent us from moving forward. And we all have regrets and we hold on to them and we kind of get stuck in this sorry cycle that we've been talking about here. This kind of loop of longing and regret, longing and regret, longing and regret. And it can feel impossible, maybe even unthinkable, to let go. And so our regrets become this kind of obstacle and they keep us from moving forward. So in our current series, uh, we're, we're all about breaking free of this kind of sorry cycle that we've been talking about and starting over. And it's all about realizing our regrets don't have to have the last word in our life. And it's about actually becoming and creating a new future and a new starting line for us. Last week, I know we talked about taking kind of that first step in the sorry cycle, and that first step in the sorry cycle was recognizing 
your regrets. And if you were here last week, we actually wrote icons on this board over here, and that's what you see if you weren't here. People actually visualized, what is my regret? They created an icon, a letter, a picture, and they wrote it on there, and they realized it. They looked it straight in the eye and head on. We also introduced you to a guy in the Bible by the name of David, King David, actually. And we, he faced his regret as well. Uh, he wrote a lot of songs that we read in the book of Psalms. And he's also called a man after God's own heart. And though he was king, he had royally messed up. See, he had a problem. He had seen this beautiful woman, Bathsheba, bathing. And he decides he wants her for himself, but there's a problem. She's married to Uriah, which is on the front lines battling and his best soldier. But David abuses his power and he uses his power, takes full advantage of Bathsheba. And when she becomes pregnant, to cover that up, he has Uriah killed. And so David then continues on with his life, acting like nothing happened. Takes Bathsheba as his wife, and he spends his days in denial and in distraction. But one day, God sends this prophet Nathan to him and to confront him. And David's sin at the moment, um, he kind of has this choice as he's confronted by Nathan to either look his regret and sin straight in the eye or somehow get Nathan to shut up. Well, he chooses to look his regret right in the face. And he takes that first step in starting over when he recognizes his regret. But here's the truth that you and I both know. Recognizing our regret, it's not enough. We can't just recognize it. Last week, we also heard part one of uh, a man by the name of Greg, his story, his story of regret and his story of starting over and how Greg, Greg had experienced addiction and alcohol abuse early in his life. And he had moved to Chicago. He had, because he had ripped things apart with his family, he had moved to Chicago to start over. Here's part two of Greg's story. Moving to Chicago um, and living with an aunt who was in recovery, even though I wasn't that attracted to the idea of, of AA meetings and recovery meetings, it was the only option that seemed available. So I found myself uh, beginning this path of recovery in Chicago. I stayed sober and um, a lot of great things happened. My family got back together. I graduated college and it was great. You know, all these good things happened. I felt very at peace with who I was and where, where I sat in the world. And so I mistakenly thought that those feelings of insecurity and those feelings of being lost and all that confusion that I had growing up was the reason I couldn't drink like other people. And so I thought since I'd solved these issues, uh, obviously I had solved any problem with alcohol or drugs and I can now go out and have a beer with a, and with a person and it wouldn't have any power over me. So I was probably about four or five years into sobriety um, that I made a conscious decision to do a little experiment and see if I could drink again. There were three rules that I had. Uh, one rule was that I was only going to have three drinks. So I decided that I didn't want to go home with a stranger that night. Um, so that was rule number two. But rule number three was that I wanted to make it to work the next morning. So three drinks, no going home with strangers, and waking up 
and going to work the next day. And so what happened was I have no idea how many drinks I had. Um, I don't have any idea what her name was. And, um, and I did not make it to work the next day. So I'm drinking all the time, um, but I'm not really ever hitting a bottom because I have, I mean, frankly, because I, I have all this stuff, I have all this money. I don't know how long that would have continued on um, had I not been tricked into trying cocaine one evening. And by tricked, I mean I was drunk and someone laid out a pile of cocaine and I did a big Stevie Nicks rail and instantly I knew this was going to be a problem. And the thing about cocaine and, uh, and later on crack is that it will instantly, no matter how much you have, it will take it away. And I'm kind of feeling at a loss of not knowing what to do. And so I called a friend of mine, uh, Grant, and I saw that he had something that I didn't have. He was open to talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about God. He suggested that maybe I should try going to a church. And so I was out in a treatment center in Oregon and they would, you know, bus, bus us to church on Sunday mornings. And so I decided to go with them one day and I hadn't been in a church for a very long time. And they began talking to me and making me feel welcome and inviting me to small groups. And I explained that I, I'm not going to live here, that I'm you know, going back home to Chicago. And um, the couple that I was talking to said, oh, that's great. We have a daughter that lives in Naperville. Um, you should probably talk to her. She happens to be visiting this weekend. Turns out she goes to the very church that I was thinking about going to check out, and she invited me to, um, to come by. And I, to this day, I have no idea who she was or who they were, um, none, I, I don't recall. But that began me coming back to church and, and finding my way back to God. Not only am I not drinking and doing drugs, but I've now found my way back to God. I'm attending church. Um, my career is great. It's never been better. Uh, I'm serving with the high school students, and, uh, and I end up meeting a girl there who's today my wife. Uh, so frankly, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't get much better than, than they were going. And so I forget to pay attention to the fact that even though everything's good, there's still certain things I shouldn't do in life. And suddenly I find myself thinking, uh, as we're out to dinner one night, um, that maybe it's a good idea if I order a glass of wine with dinner. Honestly, that was the beginning of a very, very long and ugly, painful cycle in my life. That glass of wine quickly became cocaine and that quickly became uh, heroin. I found myself at a place that I just never thought I would ever get to. And that's alone and homeless and hurting everyone that ever comes into contact with me because they try to help and I just, I just break their heart again and again. I know Greg, he's a friend of mine, and there's a part three to his story that you'll want to come back here next week to hear the end of. I'm sure you can recognize that sorry cycle within his life, but recognizing our regrets isn't enough. Uh, maybe your circumstances aren't quite like Greg's, but most of us know what it's like to kind of cycle through this longing and regret, this kind of longing and regret. And if we're going to truly break this cycle, and start over, we have to take a second step. We can't just recognize our regrets. We have to release our regrets and move forward. But, but how can we do that? How can we learn to let go? 
One of the regrets that I have is working in IT. I worked in IT for a small bit of time following getting my IT management degree, <laughs> which I regret. <laughs> um, but I am on staff at the Naperville Yellow Box, and because I do have a small skill set, small skill set in IT, I often get called in to troubleshoot sometimes whenever we have issues. And so when you troubleshoot, you kind of have these steps that you take whenever you go into these environments. You check what the input is, you look at the ports, you check the components, you check the cables, you check is there a software update, and so you kind of take these steps. Okay, here's where <laughs> I'm going with that. Um, regrets signal to us that things aren't working. Things aren't working, something didn't go right, something's not working, it didn't go the way that we had hoped for. And so now we're kind of left with this problem. And my prayer is that together we can kind of troubleshoot our regrets together. Let's look at some questions that might help each of us kind of walk through and better identify maybe what these problems are and figure out how we can actually release our regrets. So our first troubleshooting question that we're going to ask is, do you regret hurting someone? Is that your regret that you have? And our regrets can seem the most harshest when they do involve other people. People can be mean. And when I talk about people being mean, I'm talking about myself. I can be pretty mean. Uh, something I've discovered about myself is whenever I get angry and frustrated, I like to address it head-on, full energy, immediately. Another thing I've learned is most people don't like that. <laughs> most people don't like that. And in my urgency to kind of address things quickly, I can just say careless words and just shoot arrows through the hearts of the people that I love the most. And what might seem appropriate at the time later, I often soon regret saying those words. So if we use our troubleshooting guide to help us realize our regret is something that has hurt someone else, then we need to ask for forgiveness from that person. And it's so easy for us to kind of be dismissive of that, to go and ask for forgiveness, right? I mean, it's awkward. It's definitely humbling whenever you have to go and apologize and actually ask for forgiveness. Sometimes we're afraid uh, that things have been just damaged beyond repair. Maybe we're afraid that we're going to get rejected if we attempt this kind of reconciliation. But to release it, we have to ask the other person for forgiveness. In Romans, Paul is writing to Christ followers whenever he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So to release our regret, our job is to ask forgiveness. Could the person that we're asking to forgive us continue to hold a grudge? Yeah, that's possible. Could it be that they don't want to extend forgiveness? That's quite possible too but we can't control how the other person reacts when we ask for forgiveness. Because when we've done that, all that we can do as it depends on us to live at peace, then we can release it. Do you regret hurting someone? Ask for forgiveness and then release it. 
it's so humbling and powerful whenever you kind of recognize your regretful behavior and then you have this heartfelt apology. Early in my marriage um, is when I discovered my need to address issues very quickly <laughs> with my sweet husband and I would often corner him and just want to have it out right then, you know? And my husband and I, can, we can reflect back on that and really just kind of laugh at that season in our life. But at times, when anger rises up in me, I can kind of hurl these harsh words at him. But man, when I take the time to just take a deep breath, maybe two, maybe three, apologize and literally ask him to forgive me, it completely neutralizes the situation. I've had to do that with my kids as well. When I've apologized, ask them to forgive me. It neutralizes it. And we can move forward without this bitterness and without this resentfulness. The second troubleshooting question that I have for you is, do you regret committing a sin? See, our modern culture kind of wants us to kind of reject this notion of sin most people kind of balk at this idea that somehow there's this moral framework that we should kind of govern our lives after. And yet we read in the New York Times through columnist Dave Brooks that he says, religion may be on the retreat, but guilt seems as powerfully present as ever. Brooks argues that most people still carry around a sense of guilt. Most people feel the weight of sin in their lives. He says, people have a sense of guilt and sin, but no longer a sense that they live in a loving universe marked by divine mercy, grace, and forgiveness. There is sin, but no formula for redemption. And so most people carry around their regrets. They carry around their regrets with no idea, no framework for being able to release them. Author and pastor Rich Velotis reminds us at its core, sin is a failure to love. And God hates sin not because it violates this moral law, but it separates us from him. It breaks our relationship with him. When we sin, we are turning our backs on God, the one who loves us most, and it is breaking that relationship, and sin is putting distance between us and God. And see, David understood this. He understood this when he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And I know we can say, yes, he sinned against Bathsheba, and yes, he sinned against Uriah as well. But he knew ultimately he had sinned against God. He had put distance between him and God. He failed at loving God, and he separated himself from the one who loves him beyond comprehension. So how do we release this regret? We ask God for forgiveness. We ask God to forgive us. Maybe by praying to God, maybe it's not something you're used to doing, like actually asking God to forgive you. But all of us can do that. We can pray out loud, we can pray silently, we can do it through writing and asking God for forgiveness. This is how David releases his regret. Many scholars believe that when David penned the words in the Psalm 51, that it was following his encounter with the prophet Nathan. I want you to listen to these powerful words. You could follow along on the screen as well. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash away all my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Do you hear David owning his sin here? He is owning it. He's confronting it. But then he asks God if he can start over. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. In this prayer of confession, David is recommitting to his relationship with God. If you don't know how to ask God for forgiveness, if it feels uncomfortable and awkward for you, use Psalm 51 as a prayer. It's a beautiful, honest prayer of release. And another thing I want to remind you of is the Apostle Paul reminds us when we confess our sins to God, God will forgive us. The sin is gone. It is far as the east is from the west. God no longer recognizes it or even associates it with us. We need to resist picking it back up. We need to resist that. Do you regret committing a sin? Ask God for forgiveness and release it. But maybe your regret, your regret is not, say, a sin that needs forgiven. Or maybe you haven't really hurt anybody, but you kind of have this pain of regret. And this third kind of troubleshooting question that we can ask ourselves is, do you regret making a mistake? Maybe the hairstyle you had back in the 90s, you really regret, <laughs> right? That Taco Bell at midnight that you had is coming back to haunt you. <laughs> All right, I'm not talking about mullets or Taco Bell Grandes here, but I am talking about mistakes that are hard to get over, right? And when we make mistakes, we kind of punish ourselves and we kind of beat ourselves up. We haven't really sinned, but we still feel awful. I mean, we never meant for it to happen, but it has, and we kind of relive it over and over again, just kind of ruminate on it. And when you make a mistake, you need to forgive yourself, Stop kind of playing that story over and over again, dwelling on it, if onlys. It was a mistake. It happens. Mistakes happen. I've made multiple mistakes in my life, multiple, but I'll only share one with you, okay? Uh, this one kind of sticks out to me today. Um, it was back in the early 90s, um, probably before some of you guys were born in this room, uh, but in the early 90s, uh, back when we had dial-up for the World Wide Web, Remember that? Dial-up. Uh, this is before I knew much about IT. And um, we got our computer, and we got dial-up for the World Wide Web. And I can't, for the life of me, remember what I was scrolling for. But I was on there for a long time. And uh, not realizing that when you're on uh, dial-up, you're getting charged long-distance rates. And so my phone bill, which is normally around $30, showed up at $700. Yeah, I literally had to pay for that mistake right there. Yes, but do you regret making a mistake? Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and release your regret. Now, the final troubleshooting uh, question is a bit different than the other three. And it may be that it wasn't something you did or didn't do, that has caused your pain, that has caused your regret, 
in your life, the regret you're holding on to may be because in some way someone hurt you. Do you regret being hurt by someone or something? Maybe somebody wasn't paying attention behind the wheel. They caused an accident. They, st- they told your car. Maybe somebody wasn't there for you in a time of need when you really needed a friend. Maybe you were harmed at the hands of a loved one or someone you should have trusted. And this type of regret can really lead to some deep shame and bitterness and actually can cause those other regrets too. As I was thinking about this kind of collective um, trauma we've experienced as we watch kind of mass shootings happen over the decade actually, there's one that came to mind for me. It's really kind of stuck with me. Do you remember, uh, it was a church shooting uh, a few years ago in Charleston. Um, That church shooting, it was at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, Nine people were gunned down during a Bible study. And um, at the bond hearing of the gentleman that that created the shooting, the victim's family and friends were there at that bond hearing. And what they said to him literally just is breathtaking. The families, they spoke the truth in that courtroom when they confronted the shooter. But they also extended forgiveness. A daughter of one of the victims said, I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. And God have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgives you. I forgive you. And it can feel impossible in most circumstances. It does take time. It does take work. But to release these regrets of being hurt by someone, we need to forgive them. And this absolutely is easier said than done. I don't want to make this in some simplistic terms, like somehow this is an easy thing for you to do. I know when we're hurt by the hands of other people, we can ask these tough questions that we feel like we need answers to, but holding on to the hurt only keeps us from being able to move forward. In Ephesians 4, Apostle Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. How do we forgive someone who has hurt us? We draw strength from the God who has forgiven us. Sometimes in our pain, we start to question God, but he's not the author of this evil that happens to us. He's not our enemy. He feels your pain, and he's right alongside you. This isn't a time to turn from God. It's a time to kind of run towards God. He's the one that can heal your heart in this hurt. And maybe just like that Christ-like woman in Charleston, you need to speak words of forgiveness to someone. I know there are times it's not possible. It's not wise. It's not safe to speak to somebody specifically who may have hurt you. Maybe it's writing a letter to them, sitting down, getting your thoughts on paper, your perspective, your pain, the impact that it had on you, that pain you want to release, the regret you're holding on to. 
This is probably a letter you'll never mail, but sometimes just the act of writing and getting it down on paper, it can be therapeutic and it can lead you towards true healing. Do you regret being hurt by someone or something? Forgive them. Release your regrets. We all have regrets. And forgiveness is the answer. That is the answer in every troubleshooting scenario that we find ourselves in. And this word forgiveness, actually, whenever we look in the original Greek language of Scripture, it literally means to let go of, to untie, to release. And kind of the image of this word that's kind of conjured up in the first century people was of a debt that would need to be forgiven or somebody would need to be released from that debt and be free. And that's why forgiveness is so essential to us today. We need it. We need it in order to release our regrets. So by now, I would think that you would have at least one regret that is heavy on your heart. Maybe it's something you've done, something done to you, a mistake that you made, a mistake that nobody knows but you, hurt that nobody knows but you and whom it happened with. How far into the future do you intend to carry this pain from your past? I'd like for you to hold your hands out in front of you, just like this, as if you're holding this stick. Last week, we asked you to put a picture on the wall over here, and maybe um, you can imagine in your mind, you're holding on to whatever that image is, whatever the regret is in your life. The regret of being hurt, the regret of doing something stupid, the regret of hurting somebody, the regret of sin. What is it? And I want you to take a deep breath, And I want you to let it go. Let it go. Starting over is for everyone. No matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what you're holding on to, you can live a life beyond regret. I don't want you walking out of here today carrying anything that is holding you back from the life that God has planned for you. Do not hold on to that regret any longer. Leave it here. You don't have to stay in that starry cycle. You don't have to live in that cycle of longing and regret. You can start over. And I want to finish up today by just moving straight into communion.